Hello, and welcome to the Harold's Horn Podcast, the very first episode. Exciting, right? Uh, today, I am joined by Emma and Dan as we talk about the Hasbro and Watsi layoffs. What happened this last weekend uh, at Regional Championship Atlanta? And also, we've got our very first recurring segment, Product Watch. All of that and more will be in the first half of the show. And then in the second half of the show, we have our very first interview. This one is uh, with Emma. She stuck over with me to chat a little bit about her so you can get to know uh, our co-hosts. Look forward to the next couple episodes, which will feature more discussion with our co-hosts as long as an interview with Dan and then an interview with Lexi. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, you are listening to episode number zero of the Herald's Horn podcast. That's right. This is basically just a trial run, but we are putting it out into the world anyways. My name is Cal Jones, and today I am joined by the wonderful Emma. Say hello, Emma. Hello, Emma. How are you today, Emma? Are you are you hanging yeah, in there? Yeah, doing good. It's The weather is terrible because it's England and it's nine o'clock at night, but I'm doing good. Excellent. Well, that's 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 much better than I'm doing at 3.45 p.m. It's snowing. It's snowing <laughs> oh, for the jealous. first time in December, December 18th. Not to date the podcast. It's snowing for the first time. I'm also joined today by Dan. Say hello, Dan. Howdy, Dan. OK, so we've established that you're both always going to say hello, Emma, and hello, Dan, right back at me. Dan, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm just getting over COVID, so I apologize Ugh. if I sound like a little bit raspy. But I, I'm on the other side of it now, so doing much better. Did it? Did it kind of knock you on your on your big bahuki? There was like one solid day where I felt like I got hit by like a cosmic space truck, and I was in another dimension. And then for the rest of it, it was just like pretty mild, like cold kind of stuff. But yeah, for that one day, it was extremely terrible. I also had my uh, debit card information stolen on that day. Oh, and I had to like, no. call the credit card company. I know. I had the strangest conversation. They're like, did you spend $40 at Shake Shack? And I'm like, I'm so sick right now. I couldn't possibly have done that. You're so delirious. It's like, wow. it's a I dream? didn't know what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. That's that's about how it went when I had COVID. Not the my debit card information getting stolen, but it was like the worst fever I had had in my life for 30 hours and then I was fine. I was such a baby about it too, because I haven't been second so long because I wear the mask everywhere. So like, yeah, I was really like, this sucks. Well, the mask didn't save Dan. Run the song. Today, we have a lot of very interesting topics for you. At least I think they're very interesting. They're also kind of sad and frustrating too, uh, which is of course a strange spot to be in. And we're going to start off right at the top with, uh, the biggest Magic the Gathering news that we've had in a while and and the, some of the more Magic the Gather, sad Magic the Gathering news we've had in a while. And uh, that is the Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast layoffs. Um, I, I've got a little blurb here about it. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported on December 11th that Hasbro is cutting about 1,100 staff positions in addition to the previously announced uh, layoffs earlier this year, which amounted to 800 layoffs. Uh, this brings the total company-wide layoffs to 20% of its workforce. In an email address to staff, CEO Chris Cox boo, cited stronger headwinds in the market than expected leading to the decision. He stated the company expects the market difficulties to persist through 2024. Um, and per Dicebreaker, the rest of the memo characterized the massive number of layoffs as a last resort and a lever that we must pull to keep Hasbro healthy. Eh. 
Cooks uh, first stepped into the role of Hasbro CEO if, in February 2022 and now earns an annual salary of $1.5 million. However, he did receive $9.4 million in total compensation um, last year. And of course, uh, we were all hoping that like the Hasbro layoffs wouldn't include uh, Watsi staff. You know, I, I myself and a lot of other people, when they saw the news about the Hasbro layoffs come out, they were like, surely they won't like shoot the golden goose, right? You know, Wizards is the only part of the company that's like profitable right now. It's an exaggeration. I'm sure they have other money coming in somewhere. D&D and Magic the Gathering are like two of their most profitable things right now. Uh, but of course, it did end up uh, doing so. Emma, what what was your reaction when... Um, you saw that Watsi staff were getting laid off. Not to not to make this drama report or anything, but <laughs> I mean, you are. Um, it's not surprising, honestly. I know a lot of people herald Watsi as the company that's keeping Hasbro afloat, which is true because all of other Hasbro's companies and verticals are making a loss. Um, but this is why you are seeing secret layers and pro like product everywhere. This is a byproduct of Hasbro just funneling in profits to make Watsi pick up the slack that the other Hasbro-owned companies aren't doing. Um, so it is a shame to see a lot of the like the Watsi staff members go. So people like Paul Cheon and David Badabi, some two like really well-known names, just got fired uh, by Hasbro. Um, it just sucks. And also circling back to the bonus that Chris Cox got, Cynthia Williams, who is the president of Hasbro, got a 6.5 million uh, bonus last year as well. Just want to put that out there. That is, of course, something that I am uh, looking forward to with like dreaded bated breath to seeing like what kind of bonuses they end up with this year after they, um, you know, of course... Uh, and also doing it two weeks before the holidays is a scumbag yeah, it's, move. It's it's a bit like, it's a absolutely. bit tough. It's, so they've laid off nineteen hundred people this year. Also, they could release more secret layers, right? Dan, do you have a boomer take about this? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> um, no, I have an unfortunate like doom and gloom kind of perspective on it. Of like, of course, this is happening. You know, I think like as far as Hasbro is concerned, this is they're sort of getting Watsi to like exactly where they would like them to be in terms of like making the singles that they can sell themselves, making opening their boxes unprofitable, selling yeah the secret layers, getting fewer people on their team, more universes beyond, more crossover, less uh, initial. Uh, uh, less of our own ip and more of other people's ip because there's just less effort involved in that and it's easier to just yeah. slap spongebob space on a magic card and sell it also it's easier to outsource this stuff instead of just keeping employees on uh, yeah. the saddest part about the layoffs in with wizards of the coast in particular is that the company has lost a lot of legacy knowledge because a lot mm -hmm. of the people who have gone are creatives and designers who have been with the company for five to 10 years, you can't buy that knowledge. You can't get that anywhere. So it's gonna be really interesting to see how magic is gonna be in the next few years because there'll come a point where you see that legacy knowledge just tail off just because Hasbro made all these cuts. Absolutely, especially when you think about things like uh, like set drafting and things like that, which like I know that's sort of up in the air how long that's going to be able to continue to. But uh, yeah, like there's so many people with such specialized knowledge in how magic works, which is such a particular thing that it's like, how do you transfer that to new people? It's not a very easy thing that you can really do. Yeah, the, the legacy knowledge they get Watsi is something that's always like fascinated me in the back of my mind. I've 
always had this thought of like, okay, like what happens at Wizards of the Coast when like Aaron Forsyth and Mark Rosewater retire? Like what happens then? Actually, Gavin. like what if Gavin? Yeah, wins? or like what if Gavin yeah. like got randomly some Hasbro VP was like, uh, yeah, get rid of that Gavin Verhey guy. He's expensive. Or like you know, like can we get Mark out of the building? Can we get him to retire? Like what what happens then? You know, like. Mark Rosewater Scary. like probably knows more about Magic the Gathering and its history and why they do things and why they don't think do things than like anyone else, I assume. Uh, I mean, yeah, he just celebrated his what like twentieth or twenty fifth anniversary at the company or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, the the and I think that's going to hit the. This isn't a D and D podcast, but most of the layoffs at Watsi hit the D and D side. Like they they mm. blew up like their almost their entire like D and D beyond like marketing and content team, which is just crazy. The people who helped work on Baldur's Gate three from the the Watsi side of things, that whole team is gone now. Yeah. That one's left. Game of the year, game awards, game of the year, Baldur's Gate three. Yeah, exactly. Also the D and D movie, really good. Recommend watching it. It's a good yeah, laugh. Exactly. Um, what's he? Uh, I don't think Hasbro made much in terms of profit on that, but the movie was still really good. Yeah, really good. Something to build on. Something to have fun with. There'll be a franchise at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, um, ex- exactly. And and in that vein, I legacy stuff aside even in like in hasbro wants to make money mode i think the most like surprising layoff to me personally beyond paul chion because i saw that and was like huh <laughs> was uh uh megan galbraith donahue who was like the head of the universes beyond like production team like all right That's you're insane. the you're the director of the most successful part of magic over like the last year uh goodbye Congrats! You you helped produce one of the best, most best-selling uh, magic sets of all time in Tales of Middle Earth. Goodbye. I feel I feel like that is either one of two things: either that that person somehow colossally messed up so wildly badly doing something that mm-hmm. they're like, "You got to get out of here," or two, like full-on evil corporation motive. They're like, "We've extracted everything we need from you. Get the hell out of here. We can pay someone." I wouldn't else to be do surprised. If oh it's yeah, the for sure. Me neither. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think that she on her LinkedIn was like, oh, it was a roll of the dice. But yeah, those those are the you know, these are the kind of things about corporations that I personally will never understand. And you know what? I think that's OK. And, uh, you know, now that we've got the sad part of the podcast out of the way, uh, let's go ahead and talk about what happened over the weekend. Of course, the big thing that happened this last weekend was the regional championship Atlanta. Uh, one of the main things that Magic Organized Play now has built up to uh, the regional championships. This is the last one run by DreamHack and the crown went wild. Um, this was a pioneer tournament that had like over 1100 people in it, which is crazy. They nearly could have restaffed Hasbro with how many people were at this regional championship <laughs> tournament in Atlanta. Um, and, uh, shockingly enough, it was won by, uh, Yorian control. That's what I heard. Emma. Yeah. Azorius control. Basically. Was there 80 cards in it? I didn't look closely enough. Yeah. There was, a, oh there was an Azorius gosh. control list. Um, which is a, a good shout. Good shout for the weekend. Everyone was going to play a Malia combo, which is like the hottest new deck in Pioneer. Yeah. Ragdoss midrange has had a resurgence due to Smuggler's Copter. 
Um, so with those elements in mind, playing a control deck, once you have an idea of what the field's like, you're in a really good spot. Yeah, I think that this is a really interesting part about, you know, control decks historically where they run into problems is like a meta game is too wide open for them to be able to accurately say, oh, here are the things I can target. Here are the spells I want to bring so that I can reliably stay alive. Right. Um, but the also get lost got printed, which is the biggest reason to play control at the moment, which is the the new white removal spell destroy target creature or planeswalker. You make it the opponent makes a map token. It's really, really good. <laughs> like, um, Zora's Control has been struggling for good removal, especially in Pioneer. So this just pushes it over the ed edge. Mm. And that removal is also really good against the Amalia combo, which is this creature-focused combo deck. Yeah, of course, the uh, Amalia combo was like the biggest story of the weekend, I think, going into it. Of course, after uh, the thing that really set the table for this weekend was, of course, there was recently pretty big shakeup in the format. Um, in that they banned uh, Karn, Stony Silence Karn, Karn the Great Creator, uh, the 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 bane of many people's existence in Pioneer. Yeah, the crowd goes wild as a Karn yeah. the Great Creator <laughs> hater. I'm like happy. even even at the by the by the time they banned it, like Mono Green was like a fine deck and Karn was like a fine card, but it's, everyone was sick of it. It was time for that to go. And of course, they also banned uh, Geological Appraiser, which was just released just to get rid of a weird combo deck. Um, and they unbanned Smuggler's Copter, which uh, was fine this weekend, which personally I was really hoping uh, to see it just go crazy and like be in every top eight deck. But it turns out it's like fine now um, in the year of our in the year of our Lord 2023, nearly 2024. Um, but like like we said, Yorian Combo won the event, like not Yorian Combo, Yorian Control, a nice blue white deck. Um, the rest of the top 64 was pretty much filled out by like that blue, more blue white control decks. Uh, Rakdos mid-range, both like with and without Smuggler's Copter. Um, some people went for Smuggler's Copter, and some people were like grinding out with Reckoner Bankbuster in the same slot. That's kind of awesome. Um, Arclight Phoenix, and then also uh, Abzan, Amelia combo decks. And, and like I said, that was kind of the story going into this weekend was this big Amelia combo deck. Dan, do you have any insight about how this combo deck works? Um, so... Amelia is comboing with a card that I actually personally love. I have a lot of history with uh, Wild Growth Walker. Is that the name of this card? Yes, yes it so, is. So uh, let me let me pull these both up here. Uh, Wild Growth Walker, whenever you uh, explore, you gain three life. And Amelia is the opposite. Whenever you gain life, you explore. So as long as you have got a, uh, a non-land on top, you just keep exploring it to the top and you can gain uh, as much life as you would like. And then Amelia blows up the board, I believe, when you have... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when she has 20 or more power is that what it is yeah she has 20 or more power then she blows up the board it's, it, it's a it if it's the power is exactly 20 yes. uh, it'll blow up the board which will happen eventually uh she doesn't blow up herself but then you just have like a 20 power amelia and you swing in and you kill it's your kind opponent of like dark depths combo for pioneer right you just make this 20 exactly, 20 and yes. kill people this that's is, just what i was fun. thinking I don't know much about 1v1 being a, like a primarily CDH player, but I have heard that having a 20 power creature is really good. Yeah, especially when you only have one opponent and your opponent only has 20 health. It, it's it a is, combo. That's it a is, combo. It is very funny to me that like much like the Dark Depths combo, it, it is very much just like, all right, I have made a 20 power creature. Go. <laughs> just like if, 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 if Amelia is summoning sick or something like you just like are like, all right. 
What are you going to do about it, opponent? Ultimate hand check. You got one draw. You better have something. If Oh, you do? Okay. I'll go again next turn, though. <laughs> exactly. I and, and I, I love the regional championship. It was great to have some competitive magic this weekend. Um, Emma, I wish you were there covering it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I will say the coverage was very good over the weekend. Uh, Dreamhack always tend to crush it on the commentating and coverage side of things. It was really just nice to have a weekend where I'm like, oh boy, there's magic coverage this weekend. I get to watch some magic. Trying to relive the, you know, the Grand Prix SCG Open time five years ago yeah, when, when we, were, we had we magic were events real, every weekend. Yeah, we were uh, real spoiled by being able to watch like SCG or a GP or like swap between the two of them at will every and single week. And NRG in between. Like, yeah, exactly. Energy was a thing then as well. So lucky. Exactly. Um, and, and now that we're past regional championship Atlanta, uh, we are looking forward to the next pro tour. Uh, which is also Pioneer. I was kind of surprised by that. The next Pro Tour is also a Pioneer Pro Tour. So I'm sure people will still uh, be continuing to uh, work on these decks. But then uh, we're also looking forward to the next Regional Championship, which is a modern Regional Championship. I'm sure people will love that one. People love delving into modern. People love getting into that one. But Emma, you you did mention uh, the Magic the Gathering card. Uh, get lost? That, that yes. cheeky new removal spell. Um, from rivals of ixalan same it's you awesome. have to shout it when you cast the spell get lost <laughs> and then the rules. have some map tokens i guess um but uh, get lost was one of um several newer magic the gathering pioneer singles that people were kind of struggling to get before they could come to the regional ship regional uh championship which of course brought up our our i don't want to say our discourse that happened over the weekend but that's pretty much what it is um you know, uh, there is continually due to the way that Magic the Gathering works, almost like Dan said earlier, uh, thanks to there being so many boxes that aren't worth opening and yada, yada, yada. Singles are actually harder to get. Singles are worth less. Uh, vendors are much less um, incentivized to bring these singles to these events. And therefore, uh, you can't just show up at Regional Championship Atlanta and be like, actually, I want to swap to blue white control. I have everything except for the get losts. Time to go buy some get losts. Oh, nobody has them. It's like if you notice in some of the top 64, top 128 uh, lists, there's a couple of Azorius control decks and Boris Convoke decks with Declaration in Stone in the sideboard because they couldn't get a hold of get loss. And that was the compromise. Just because, as, as Dan said earlier, it's easier to sell boxes than it is cracking open product just given the amount of reprint equity singles aren't valuable anymore which is great for people who want to buy singles but you need to have accessibility to those singles in the first place it's going to happen with Ravnica remastered in January when everyone wants these shock lands and stores aren't going to be ordering in Ravnica remastered and no one's going to open it and people are going to get upset and we'll probably talk about it in January like again <laughs> <laughs> I'd be surprised if we didn't yeah yeah, and I'll I'll be asking your opinion on that on that one, Dan. So you better be ready. You better have um, formulated one take. I have. I'm full of. But no, going back to <clears throat> what we just talked about, it's just it it we are past the time of hey, I can buy a deck at, at an event now. I can mm -hmm. buy the last ten cards. You need to like pre-buy those and pick them up at the event. It does suck in particular this time around because Pioneer changes happened two weeks before the RC. That is mm. a real tight window 
especially uh, as we're in December as well. So postage is full because of Christmas. It's a really difficult time to get those cards. Yep. Um, however, competitive players need to be a bit more organized. What's you need to sort out their secondary market because there's just no incentive to open these products and give people these singles. It is just a mess. Like the market is just not in a great spot right now. Yep, that's that is the very tough part about all of this is that you know it is it is kind of funny. Like I, magic players, including me, have have like finally gotten what we wanted. Like we have a bunch of really cool printings of cards that look really cool. We have all of our bling and everything costs like three dollars or less. The problem is we can't buy them anywhere unless we uh, buy them from a single seller online, um, like one of these many different fragmented sellers online, and then have to come uh, wait for them to come in the snail mail, which like for commander players such as myself, it works great. But even like I've ordered some Pioneer decks and uh, in the past, and you know what? It does take like three weeks sometimes before all of yeah. my cards show up. And if I needed to be in an event in a week and a half... <clears throat> And also, like, not all the retail, all the vendors are going to have all the cards you need. An example, I'm buying Boris Convoke right now for Pioneer because uh, Venerated Locks is on and Fraven Inspector are great. You should play it. Um, I had to buy my playset of Knight Errant of Eos from four different sellers. Like, no one had a playset. Like, that's how difficult it is because you're making more purchases you're not making one big purchase. You're making like eight different purchases and they all have like different like postage speeds and whatnot. It's just, yeah. Multiply just that by like 10, 15 <laughs> orders. And then if you're one of these people trying to go to the RC two weeks after the announcement, it's like, well, I'm planning on traveling next week. So I got to put this order in 15 minutes ago to get these cards yeah. 15 minutes late. Exactly. And, and even like with your example of night air of Eros, that that's a rare from it's a March a, of the machine. Yeah. In March of the machine, which is like, a relatively recent standard set that was drafted a shocking amount i learned recently um so you know you think they'd be out there but there's just not which um not to you know not to be a big like vendor shill on the first episode of my podcast haha sponsor me um <laughs> i could be if you sponsored me we i could be your vendor shill if you sponsored me um but you know, I, I totally get it. The, the the way that these stores have actually gotten singles in the past, for those of you who don't know, I guess, is that vendors would either open up a bunch of boxes to get the singles. That's especially how, like, the big first glut of singles enters the market. And then over time, a lot of these vendors, almost, they would care 90% about coming to these events to buy cards from people so they could have singles to resell to people and make, you know, their they're sick 25 to 60% profit on the cards or whatever. Cool. They got to make money. They're, they're a business, yada, yada. They got to pay people. They're paying for their space there, et cetera, et cetera. But now so many of these staples um, that, that people want uh, just don't cost anything. It's... Unless it's Sheldred the Apocalypse. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say like a, a night that's got to cost what, like 50 cents? These vendors maybe give you a, a dime for it? Like, yeah. And then they got to take it back to them to whatever other state they live in in the yeah, United States. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a night errant of Aos uh, would run you if you were to buy it uh, for TCG player low at this time would be $2, a buck 70 ish. And that's, and, 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 people aren't going to sell you a night errant of Aos. If you say, "I'll give you a fifty cent store credit for that man," 
They're they're not going to do that. So it's it stays stuck in people's trade binders and yada yeah. yada yada. And unless they're like bulk selling stuff, but you're not Correct, bulk selling yeah. standard and pioneer cards, right? No, it's, right. It's too yeah. recent. <laughs> unless you're a vendor. Even a, well, even like my local. I have a local game store that when Wizards said, "All right, we're gonna." push standard again my local game store said awesome we don't have any singles like standard singles right now because we just haven't had them for forever and they they were just like all right everyone can we get your standard singles please we'll literally give you more credit than we normally would and they still didn't really get much of anything because it's i don't know it's tough out there it's all tough to get these products that we need um so what if we had like more of them what if we had more products what if we had more it's time for the product watch in the product watch i cal and my lovely associates will quickly tell you about all of the products that have been announced or released in the short time since we last recorded an episode of the herald's horn this week uh, it's it, since it's the first ever episode, I had to be real selective about what products I was going to choose. And so I, I got an email when I was in the middle of making the outline for this. And it said, hey, Cal, did you know that there's like 15 different secret layer things you can buy right now? Don't miss out. And so I have written them down here to tell you about. We've got the secret layer Doctor Who regeneration secret layer, which is actually like it, uh, uh, notably interesting to me because I used to be a big Doctor Who kid, but I'm not going to buy it anyways. It's just like the Doctor Who stuff that they missed in the Doctor Who set because they've come out with another two more Doctors since they <laughs> made the Doctor Who set just like a month and a half ago. Any Doctor Who fans on the podcast? Uh, no, I'm going to be straight up and tell you that I didn't even know that there were new doctors in the new secret. That's so wild the, to so, me. So there's new doctors, but one of them's David Tennant again, because David Tennant okay. is like the most popular doctor. Yeah. So they want people to watch the show. Uh, for the record, I'm not a big Doctor Who fan, which is wild because I'm British and it's from my from my country. It's your cultural heritage, Emma. Right. Um, but I've heard enough about it like on Twitter and stuff. Uh -huh. I assume the TV show happened recently. Um, and I believe there's like three or four new cards with the new doctor companion, another new doctor, and then like the villain. Yep. That Basically. tracks. You can get that all on secretlayer.wizards.com right now. Do you know what else you can get on secretlayer.wizards.com? I think that's the URL. It's the secret layer superversary drop, uh, which makes up nine different drops, both with non-foil and foil versions, including a Croft Tomb Raider one for some reason. And yeah, even more, like yeah, Dan, I was about to say, Dan is logging on. Dan is about to, <laughs> Dan is, Dan is about to consume uh, some secret I'm, layer product live on air. Um, they got me. <laughs> uh, even more Jurassic Park cards, you know, besides all the ones they put in the Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Cool poggers. Oh, are these the ones that people can't read because they're different colors to them? Actual mana value. That is correct, Emma. We have some nice green cards <laughs> that are a solid blue. That was my favorite part. We well, also, also Indominus Rex <laughs> is one of the cards that is like the fake name of the card, which is also one of the real yeah. universes yes. beyond cards. And if that didn't make sense to you listeners, because it doesn't. Then they get like the dinosaur, like the dinosaur images wrong as well on like one of the magic cards as well. It's oh, like, I don't know. That's amazing. They assigned like the wrong dinosaur to the magic card, and but the actual magic card printing is correct or something. And I know the bonus card's like a colossal dreadmore. 
I know that much. Like you can get a Jurassic, a Jurassic Park colossal dreadnought, but I'm almost not mad about that. That's almost. fine. Like we get it. Colossal dreadnought is a meme, but you can mix and match these nine different superversary drop secret layers in ten different bundles. Uh, they are available in 10 different bundles that combine all of these different secret layer drops in 10 unique different ways. Uh, two of them are just buy them all in foil or non-foil. So that's cheating a little bit, I guess. Those are the useful bundles, I think, too, to me. Anyway. Is this the one where you get like the Locust God promo If well? you spend, that gone? It, you, it, yes, they're running that again. If you spend over $200, um, you do get a Luke, uh, Locust God promo. If you buy the goodie bag loaded with everything bundle for a mere $500, Jesus, you'll get one Locust God. Oh, it's for every $200 spent, you'll get two Locust God promotional <laughs> cards. It, it does look kind of sick, though. I am. I am. I know that I'm like in the minority on this topic on my own podcast. Uh, <laughs> Because I know Dan's a boomer and I know Emma's all about accessibility in Magic the Gathering cards. I love it when my magic cards just look like freaky piles of words that don't make any sense. I see that and I'm like, oh, yeah, give me give me that nexus of fate that's entirely red and has weird wizards on it. And you can't read the title nor the mana cost. Put it in my deck. I just want to specify for the for the listeners at home, I'm shaking my head right now. <laughs> I think that we have jumped that shark so far into the stratosphere. I think that like the 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 shark jumping of the way that a magic card looks, our shark is currently in outer space, like about to touch the <laughs> moon. I I don't think that there is really any further we could go where I would just be like, I hate this now. It's just all I think a drop in the bucket of magic cards are just weird now. That's just the way that things are. I understand it's a thing, but I can still be unhappy about it. No, totally. I'm 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 with you. I I understand where you're coming from entirely. It's just um I don't know. I'm zen about it at this point. And that ends our product watch and also this part <laughs> of the Harold's Horn podcast. <laughs> hey, this is where your audio spot could be read by me. If you want to sponsor the Harold's Horde podcast, helping me pay the bills and helping me pay my co-hosts bills by paying them money, hit me up at cal at caljones.com. It's that easy. Cal at caljones.com. I would love to work with you. Thanks. Hello, co-host Emma. Thank you for joining me again. But on the second half of the show, how are you? I already asked you that today. Oh, I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. Uh, I said this off the record earlier, right after we recorded the first half of the podcast, but I am I am happy that this is finally, finally running. And uh, you get the honor to be the first interview for the podcast as well in the first little series, three part series that I'm just going to call Meet the Co-Hosts. This is part one. Emma Partlow. Emma just say a little bit about yourself. What do you want the people to know about you right off the bat? When they're coming in and listen to Harold Torn, what should they know about Emma? Well, they should probably know what I do. I think that's kind of relevant and to why I'm here mm -hmm. um, and why we've talked about this podcast, you know, 
months before you know anything happened because this was a very back on and off thing that we just kind of talked about as two people do it's just like yeah we should probably do this thing let's make it a podcast okay you know the, the way it is um so i am the content manager now yeah let's go content manager for newest TCG title Fire. content manager it's a, uh, yeah it's a new title it's it's just better than editor like yep. i do more than just editing definitely now. more so, representative yeah yeah um so i'm the content manager for tcg player i focus mostly on all you know just magic i don't talk about any other trading card games uh i run uh, a, a neat little team of writers one of them being cal in this Woo! case um so we talk about finance, we talk about constructed, we talk about budget, we talk about, you know, commander, we talk about lots of things. Um, and obviously TCG players, the biggest marketplace, you know, when it comes to buying cars in the US. Um, it's a really cool job. I feel very lucky to have a full time job that is around magic. I, you know, not many people get to say that. Um, so yeah, I do that. That's my that's my day to day job. And my day to day job is Knowing everything that happens in magic, so all the product news, all the previews, all the the random secret layer drops that happen, you know, you know what, you know, like that slow trickle inf information. Like I have to be on top of that because it's part yeah, but it's of like job. a fire hose for you because you have to yeah. know all of it. All of magic is for Emma Partlow. <laughs> yeah, you know when and they when... say this isn't for you, it's for Emma. Right. And everyone just goes, just ignore it. You're not buying it. And it's like, it's my job. I have to acknowledge this. As much as I don't care about Laura Croft on a magic card, I have to care from a like a professional standpoint. And it's it's kind of frustrating, but that's the way it is now. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of the the quote unquote face of like TCG player content for magic, um, which is pretty cool. But it's also there's a lot of pressures, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, which I can't talk about. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good time. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, I know that like, I, I have to imagine that working in magic, like both is like the dream and and past the point, it also is like kind of terrible. Like, it, it's pretty cool, but it's also exhausting because yes. you have this relationship where, so I got into magic in 2014 when Cards of Tarkir came out, which is my favorite set. That Happy Cards of Tarkir on Arena to all who celebrate. Right. Um, so I got into Magic during that Khan's pre-release, like that era, um, which was what, nine years ago now. Um, and it's just like, at this point, Magic was a hobby for me. That was the thing I did to escape from my crappy nine to five office and or retail job, which I had plenty of those over my time, as many people have. And in the last like three years, I started like taking writing seriously. I did it as a side gig, as we all do. It all starts out as like a side gig. Um, but it's then a side I gig a, for me. It, yep. it, it's it's a cool side gig. Like, let's exactly. be honest. It's yep. cool to do this stuff. But magic was a hobby for me for like what six years, and then the second that you earn money from a hobby, it doesn't become a hobby anymore. It becomes a job. And money is a curse in that sense because it just changes your outlook because there's actual monetary worth and you think, cool, this could help me pay for my groceries one week. It could help me pay my rent. It can help pay for my electric bills. It can also help me pay for playing magic. You know, that's what I did for the longest time. I, I wrote content on the side just to pay for magic cards 
you know, just put it back into the into the hobby. Um, but the more I became full time and more responsible um, working for TCG Player, it's just a job now. And it is very hard to switch off after like an eight hour day and go, I'm going to go to FNM. I'm going to play some magic. And it's like, I can, I can go FNM, play modern, you know, get old faithful, get one green Tron out. I look at my hand and I'm like, I'm still working. <laughs> Even though I'm not working, <laughs> it's like, I associate magic cards with my job because I just look at them all day. And it's kind of sad, but that's the sacrifice you have to make. And it's, it's something I think a lot of creators struggle with and mm-hmm. something that isn't talked about enough. I certainly agree. And I know you've actually written, uh, you've read like an article kind of akin to this in the past, right? Yeah, I wrote, oh God, that was like three-ish years ago now. Um, I have to dig it out. Um, but it's like magic and mental health. Um, content and mental health, how like FOMO, how writer's block, how how to manage the thing that you called a hobby is now a job and like what you need to do to have, have boundaries. Um, something that my partner used to say quite a bit and is still really true now is like the second a hobby becomes a job, you need to find a new hobby to escape from your job. Um, like what magic was the escapism for the job you had before. And that rings true. So I have other, I do other things in my spare time that isn't necessarily magic. I enjoy playing magic, Mm -hmm. but it's very much based on vibes. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. What are, what, what is your escape? What are, what are your other hobbies now? But it's before we talk about all the other (laughs) hobby ways that you're involved in magic, the gathering, (laughs) which we will get to (laughs) beyond your job. What are your other hobbies? What do you, what do you do? So so non magic hobbies we're talking yeah. about here. So what are, what are you keeping busy with these days? Uh, I enjoy baking. Baking's nice. great. I I post a lot of pictures of cake and brownies and stuff because I find that as a good good way to unwind. I like baking. Uh, I'm a big retro video gamer, um, as you would know, Cal. So I play, I'm playing a lot of like I play a lot of old school role playing games and so stuff like Final Fantasy. I picked up Tactics Ogre recently that I'm dig- digging into. Uh, I've got like Final Fantasy V, Final Fantasy VI. I picked up Grandia 1 and 2 recently. So I've just got this backlog of these massive role-playing games. And I can just sink myself in for like six hours and it's great. And not check the time. It's it's, it's great. Um, I also like going to the gym on occasion. You know, just lifting heavy things is really, yeah, just, I find it really, really is relaxing. Nice. Yeah. Just like throwing a heavy thing. It's like, yeah, that feels good after a stressful day. Just, yeah. just something to release like the stress and perhaps some frustration, you know, in your day-to-day job. Yeah. That's that's something I feel a lot like the, these days, especially like day-to-day now that it's like dark outside and it's chilly and everything is a little bit more stressful and sad for some reason. Even if even yeah. if you're just like getting, getting out and going to the gym, even if I'm not throwing a heavy thing, even if I'm just like, hopping on the bike or whatever just moving is so nice it's it's crazy how natural light changes your mood just even for like five minutes it's crazy how natural light and a little bit of vitamin d makes you feel good we are meant to have light as just human beings Um, my wife jen is always like the the sun's out you should go stand outside i'm like no I don't want to go outside. I've been I've been taking like walks at lunchtime now because it's daylight as opposed to going after work where, you know, the sun sets at like 3.50 p.m. in England at the minute. It's it gets dark really early. Um, 
But also I watch sports. I'm a big sports person. I unfortunately support the Carolina Panthers, you know, good on me. Um, and I'm also a big hockey fan. I really love the Carolina Hurricanes. Hockey is the best sport. I'm just going to put that out there. It's like pound for pound the best sport. It's just poorly marketed, which is, I think, a separate conversation at another point. <laughs> I Hockey is I, – I also am, am really into sports. Sports is a big copy of mine. You, you can't see it listener but you know i've got my i've got my colts indianapolis colts banner <laughs> behind me um and i live i live in a big sp- sports city columbus ohio yeah. we have the mls cup champs reigning mls cup champs tied for the third ever three-time mls cup champs we also have a hockey team so i have been, i have been trying to get into hockey because like the sport appeals to me i think it would be fun columbus has a hockey team go blue jackets but uh yeah exactly but i just haven't it hasn't clicked with me so i cheer for the colts the football is just what's always been easy for me to be into for some reason right football is i think american football so i'm going to say american football because in the uk we call what you call soccer we also call football so i'm just gonna make that delineation make that yeah and so with american football uh it's really good to watch however it's terrible to watch in person i find it's really really boring just because not a lot actually happens and it's very stop start however with hockey it's just blistering pace constant people are being the crap out of each other you know one team could be down by three but they could also score four in the next five minutes and then it's like this really fun game like momentum is just like so huge in hockey and it's just so fast paced it's just really fun to watch in person um, don't get me wrong, I love both sports. I just find football a little bit dull um, in person. I think that's like the weird, like the weird thing about like the two classic quote unquote like American sports at this point, like football and baseball. Like obviously, we also have basketball now, which fits into a different mold. But like both football and baseball are like real stop start. Like have a have a a beer and watch this sport with the pals. Baseball, but, yeah, baseball I find better because you can do that. You can just drink with friends. Yeah, I exactly. also find the out, baseball yeah. stadiums are designed better for that kind of thing because you yeah, have these awesome. incredible yeah. like scenery. Like the there's like a Roanoke in like a Roanoke Virginia team. Uh, like, I think they call like the, the Salem like something like a local team. But the the where the the ground is like the stadium. There's just you see the Blue Ridge Mountains in the background, and it's just Oof, really nice just to nice. go there and just drink and then you get to watch some baseball like they yeah. they deliberately do this and that makes it more interesting whereas with football you just have these massive towering stadiums that are just very kind of claustrophobic in a sense and it and just, just doesn't feel as relaxed and it yeah it just like points Same your chair down at like the massive football field but when you're in any seat that isn't four hundred dollars the players are itty bitty teeny tiny and you can't see the ball <laughs> right and- yeah exactly. and plus like coverage of nfl is just so good these days like it's just better to watch it on tv or go to a bar and watch it i love sports here's my problem with sports emma my what? nine to five job is in sports so oh really i did not know <laughs> yes. that yes my nine to five job is in sports so now i i write about magic and like podcast <laughs> about magic now i used to youtube about magic and then that got too much so i stopped doing that and so like <laughs> magic 
became like my job, but sports is also my job. So I've had to like fall back entirely upon like now, like reading and video games are like I my would two things your game that I have left. With your life from yes. the corporate world. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like I have, I have said, you know what I could do? I bet I could like make retro game content i bet i could like actually i thought about it really... too i'm like yeah i, I bet really i want could to do like a podcast do a good where job just talk that. about talk about video games <laughs> and i'm just like no emma that. i know it, but no we just can't it has to it has to be everything is content it's a trap. exactly everything i well it, it, that's the kicker like especially like i have made some like i had a little nintendo tiktok for a while where i pretty much ostensibly just talked yeah. about my GameCubes, and that was kind of fun because I just would say, you know, I could just write a little script, take like 10 minutes to do that, record a little silly video, edit it together. It's like a 45 minute and it was like a hobby thing. And I left it as a hobby thing. And then when it didn't interest me anymore, I stopped it. And maybe I'll go back to it sometime. But that's a lot more of a healthy relationship than is money possible, is a curse. I guess. Yeah, I'm not trying. Well, that's, you're not going to make any money on TikTok, so you're never in danger no. of that one. <laughs> but um, enough enough about our jobs. Uh, I, I going <laughs> back to magic here a little bit. <laughs> Go back to magic here a little bit. I know you do engage in magic as a hobby quite a bit. Um, in in two specific ways, in two, uh, quite awesome formats. So let's talk. Let's talk about Cube first. I, I saw you doing coverage at CubeCon. I know you went to CubeCon. I know you're a big cube head, and I'm always seeing you. Uh, I'm always seeing you post pack one pick ones about your cube on Twitter.com. Can you tell me about your cube? And you have a second cube now too, right? I'm working on a second cube. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about your first cube. Right. So I have a I have a peasant cube. Um, for people at home that don't know what peasant is, it's uh, commons and uncommons only. So no rares, no mythic rares, just lower rarity cube. And the beautiful thing about Peasant Cube is that you still have some powerful cards in there. So you you have stuff like Force of Will, you have Sylvan Library, Demonic Tutor, Wasteland, Strip Mine. These are all non-rares because these were print some of these were printed at points when rares did not exist. So technically they count. And you can create these like legacy-esque sort of gameplay where you're just playing with these really cool, powerful cards. And a lot of these cards are what we would call like mythic bombs of their limited environments. There's a lot of nostalgia attached to them. So it just creates this really fun back and forth, very permanent creature focused gameplay because you can't really play like good combo decks in peasant, which I'm fine with. Um, so yeah, you just have this very like old school limited bread and, bread and butter style format. And it's really, really fun. And then the best thing about when people play my cube is like, how is this an uncommon? I've never seen this as an uncommon before because they see Force of Will and they think it's a mythic because these people came into Magic in the last four years. Yeah, when little they saw do Force you know that was an uncommon for some yeah. reason. Right. And people just like, oh my God, like, how is this an uncommon? This should be banned in your cube. And it's like, no, Force of Will is like medium. It's, it's a good spell, but it's not like vintage cube good because the quality of blue spells isn't as good compared to force of will yeah it's like a bigger um, a bigger uh sacrifice to play force of will to have cards to pitch to it than it for is sure. in other formats yeah and another cool thing that what are doing is downshifting a lot of rares into commons and uncommons so look at commander masters that came out in the summer uh, like gonti lord of luxury is now an uncommon which is this really fun card it's really fun in a, in a one of my favorite black cards of all time 
yeah and it's like that's an uncommon you've got like Rishkar from you know Kaladesh Aether Revolt is also an uncommon Surak from original Tarkir is also uncommon so you've got these really cool big splashy legendaries that are now seeing downshifts um and you you're you're making a very powerful format um and I just want to do something that wasn't Vintage Cube. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Vintage Cube. I think Vintage Cube is exhausted in general. And I think it's just really cool that other people do different things and be like, hey, here's my Kanta Tarkir Cube. Here's my cube that focuses on Cascade. Here's my cube that's artifacts only. And it's a really good way to express yourself. And I see Cube as like a love language to magic. It's like, what do I love about magic? I'm gonna put it in a box. And then I can just open it whenever I want to. I imagine Commander is the same to some people. Oh yeah, for sure. And of course, how I I have a tough question to ask you, Emma, about that. All this work you've put into your cube. How often would you say you get to draft your cube? So I've been very lucky recently. So I, I came back from the US not too long ago. I spent like a couple of months in the states to see my partner and do some like magic related things. Um, I got to play it a fair bit because obviously KubeCon happened. So I got to play it a little bit there. Um, when I was seeing my partner in, in Virginia, we got to play it as well with like the group because Roanoke, Virginia is just for the magic players. So it's really easy to fire off a cube. Um, I took it to New York where New York has a really good cube scene. So we got to fire it off there. And yeah, it's just like, it's been really easy to fire it off recently, which is really nice. Um, uh, there has been times where I've had to Winston draft the cube, which is like 1v1. It's a very different way to draft. Also quite fun. Um, but no, I've, I've managed to get some reps in and get some play time, especially when KubeCon came around in October. I needed to get like locked down the list like good and proper. Yeah, because you were one of the main event cubes. Right. Random people were playing my cube. I had like Reed Dukes and Caleb Derwald playing my cube. And it's like, this needs to be like, for for prizes and glory yeah like it, it was wild and then like, i got a lot of good feedback over the weekend just like yeah this is really fun like someone was, is actually gonna go and build my cube so they can have it for themselves which is like a huge compliment as well very um, nice that's awesome yeah i i <laughs> asked that question because i have like owned and maintained my own copy of like the popper cube that was originally like Stibbs's creation and now That's is like really maintained by the community. Yeah. I've I've bought and like kept up with the changes and like bought the cards and stuff. Um but I have not fired it once in that time but you know that's just that's just the way that cubes work sometimes and you know popper you know commons only popper a little rough transition here um (laughs) you know a little bit about popper the format as well the the organized play format popper because Mm. you are a member of the popper format panel the team of people that is responsible for now managing the format right you guys are like the final say on popper is that what it is yeah it's so you see it as a little uh so the best way to put this is like the like the community uh the commander advisory group so like the cag Mm -hmm. and the rc it's a little bit like that however we get more of a say the rc in this case being gavin verhey who's the what's who's who's the what's guy he's the head of it all and the rest of us are kind of like cag people but we have a lot more say and a lot more weight in things gavin has the final say on a lot of things um because he has to talk to what's implement these changes do everything on the internal but what we say tends to have a lot more weight 
Um, but yeah, it's like a really cool thing to do. It's also really stressful because you're curating a format that a lot of people really, really, really like. And I and mean, people really are like. extremely passionate about. Yeah, right. For multiple reasons. So, and it's 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 been challenging just because due to the cadence of releases, there's so many goddamn commons. You know, we have to look at not only standard sets, we have to look at stuff like Ravnica Remastered as an example. We have to look at Commander Precons. We have to look at Commander Masters. We have to look at pretty much everything that isn't Magic Arena or Secret Lairs. Um, and it's just some stuff's just going to get missed. So you need to have someone someone or a group of people just to keep watch, basically. Um, like a good example is Monastery Swisspear, a card that we banned recently that got downshifted in Commander Masters. It probably shouldn't have got downshifted in Commander Masters, but we had to address it and had to look at this card and go, yeah, this is like, this is too good for Pauper. We need to do something about it. Um, and we just have a cute little Discord in, in you know, a little channel a little server and then we just we just talk about pauper every day that that discord is just constantly going because we're all on different time zones um there's like three of us in america so there's three of us in america i'm in the uk there's one person there's one in italy there's one in japan and i believe there is one in brazil as well wow. so there's like we're international yeah, just all over that's awesome um so it's just lots of talking Lots of people play these events as well, you know, like, like the Paupageddons and stuff like that. So we're just getting a lot of feedback, tabletop and magic online, which is like the biggest problem because cards, like cards aren't always on magic online that people play in paper. A problem Legacy also has. Yep. and like yeah getting getting worse and worse specifically because of universes beyond often licensing issues. Yes. Yeah. So it's 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 a fine line. It's it's super rewarding. It is stressful. We 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 have to look at a lot of data. We have to talk a lot. Um, we have to decide when to do stuff because one one thing people don't realize is we get to make announcements as we see fit. As in the panel, we don't go mm -hmm. by Watsy Candence. Sometimes we okay. will go by Watsy Candence if it makes sense. But like you did most of the on the most recent ban, incidentally, right? Because we Swiss were we were planning to ban Swiss Spirit at this point. We did not know, as in we, Sans, Gavin Verhey, didn't know there was going to be like a, a modern and a pioneer update at this point. Um, so we, we are able to do things as we see fit. The biggest thing for us is just being transparent and very communicative with what we're thinking and the timeline of how we came to that decision. Like mm -hmm. we want to be as transparent as hell. Yeah, that makes a whole ton of sense that makes a ton of sense and that's that's tough you know and it, it's i've talked to other members of the popper format panel you know privately as friends yeah, um, sure. and, and you too obviously and it's it's a very thankless job much as i know the the rules committee is and the cag is for commander and stuff but you're doing you're doing good stuff i always i always appreciate the work of the popper format panel when i get around to playing my one popper league of the quarter <laughs> yeah whenever it's i can fit it in it's appreciated because a lot of it's the problem is because people don't see what we do because obviously people aren't in that discord people don't see the data we see they don't see the conversations we have that's why when we do an update we put it into a script and gavin says it because it's like it's very important for them to know we are doing stuff we may not be making changes we may make zero changes but this is our reasoning 
and hopefully that makes sense to you we can just say no changes and then that's it have it as a youtube short whatever that's that doesn't help anyone um we want to just set a standard basically so if there's ever a legacy panel whatever you know that kind of thing people can use us as a point of reference okay proper format panel did this stuff good we should follow this because this that is what people want exactly emma that is a great goal i think thank you for joining me for this little chat no um, i hope i hope i hope the listeners got to know you a little bit better i got to know you a little bit better which is always I got fun. to know you a little bit better exactly and uh thank you also for joining me on the adventure that is sure to be the Herald Horror <laughs> Podcast. Toot toot. Thank you very much for listening to episode zero of the Herald Horror Podcast. This was edited, produced, yada, 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 by me, Cal Jones. Special shout out to my co-hosts, Emma, Dan, and Lexi. Obviously, Lexi wasn't able to be here today, but... The co-hosts will come and go as they are available, depending on the week. Get used to it. If you want to help us pay our bills, both for the podcast and in our real life, reach out to me at cal at caljones.com to sponsor the podcast. You can follow the podcast at Harold's Horn on Twitter. That's the only social media we're on right now because it's the only one I like. Deal with it. Find my social links and the social links of all of our co-hosts in the podcast description. Thanks for listening. We will see you in the new year.